Hey, Kev, let's let's follow this trail over here. This looks like there might be something waiting down there. All right. Hey, wait a minute. Do you hear that? Yeah, I thought it was just me. What the heck is that? I don't know what that is. Whoa, do you smell that, too? That's unbelievable. Hey, look. What the? Hey, look, those, those branches are moving over there. What the heck is that? Holy cow, is that what I think it is? Look at that thing. It, oh my god. It's a freaking Sasquatch. Welcome to the Bigfoot Terror in the Woods Sightings and Encounters podcast. I am your host, W.J. Sheehan. Hello, everybody out there, and may I welcome you once again to what is going to be a spectacular podcast. My name is W.J. Sheehan, and for those of you who don't know me, I have authored a series of books entitled Bigfoot Terror in the Woods Sightings and Encounters. Currently, there are eight volumes with nine to come shortly. You can get them at Amazon in paperback or ebook formats. And if you like the audio version type of thing, you can go to Audible, iTunes, and Amazon, where currently you are able to purchase volumes one through seven and soon volume eight. And now, without any further ado, may I welcome in my brother and co-host, K.J. Sheehan. Kev, how are you? I'm doing great. What's going on, Bill? Well, I'll tell you, uh, depending on when this launches, this podcast, uh, Paula and I went down to Shinnecock Inlet uh, the other night to catch the uh, latest supermoon. Oh, yeah, the pink pink moon, right? Yeah, yeah it was pretty cool. Uh, uh, unusual in that the moonrise was at 724, and the sunset was at like 732. Yeah. So we had like both things going on uh, in front of us and behind us. And the moon, uh, unfortunately, we could see the pink hue to it, but it was hazy at, like, uh, ocean level. Ah. But when it rose up over the course of about, let's just say, 25 minutes, when it got clear of the haze, it really was a super moon. It was a big, full moon, bright. Spectacular, yeah. Yeah, just what a place, man. Yeah, we're we're out at the coast, uh, the North Carolina coast, and we saw it as well rise over the ocean, and it was spectacular. Yeah, yeah. we didn't have the haze though, you know, because because we got that lovely Carolina blue sky, never a cloud <laughs> in it. <laughs> but you do have gunships patrolling the area. I think that's a good thing. Now. <laughs> <laughs> Warning, Bigfoot, if you're out there on the beach. <laughs> Unbelievable. The Marine Corps may get you. Yeah, yeah. I mean, just, I mean, you know, Kev, I love uh, the whole nature thing and the birds and the 
celestial grandeur. And uh, what a beautiful thing to do, just to go out there and kill an hour and a half. And uh, that, that moonrise on the ocean, when you're fortunate enough to see it, right? It doesn't happen every night. Right. Um, it's spectacular when you can catch it. Yeah, just a thing of beauty, man. Yeah. And uh, as Mr. T said, I pity the fool that don't see it. <laughs> well, I told you probably about a year ago now, I was out here at the coast and I got up really early and watched the sunrise and um, wasn't aware of what the moon was doing. And I went out fishing in the evening and the sun set and I'm looking out at the ocean, looking at my line out over the ocean in the dark. And all of a sudden, it's such a shock when you don't know it's coming. You start to see that edge of the moon coming over the horizon and you know believe it or not folks if you haven't seen it you're like what the heck is that it's not obvious that it's the moon when it first starts creeping up yeah and then all of a sudden wham wham there it is hello moon fantastic i mean yeah you know i get such a peaceful serene feeling Oh, no doubt about it uh, when i look at the moon it's just a magnificent spectacle And uh, I've always been that way. I mean, I just, uh, to me, the the moon is a gift. You know, in the old biblical account, right? The sun by day and the moon by night. Yeah. By the way, have you gone back on YouTube and watched the original footage of the first Apollo mission that landed on the moon? No. Oh, you got to do that. Oh, yeah? It's... Well, first off, like, it's so crystal clear because, you know, when we watched it, we were, in 1969, we had, like, the rabbit ear antennas on the terrible black and white TV, right? Yeah. And, uh, you know, so the, the actual recording from the moon was very strong and very clear. And now they have it all up on YouTube. You can watch it. And it's like that first broadcast was, like, three and a half hours long. And I've watched it from beginning to end multiple times. It's spectacular. Well, I gotta, I gotta make a point of doing yeah, that. Put that on, put that on the list. Yeah, yeah, no, definitely. And I'll... you don't have to watch it all in one sitting, but it is pretty spectacular. You know, you can feel the tension when Neil Armstrong's talking to them in control, mission control. You know, as he's climbing down the ladder, and you can see him crystal clear. Yeah, no, that's, that's, that was fantastic stuff. Yeah, and you didn't have to. Tell me to get off the couch and go over to TV and give it a smack on the side like the old days. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That was my role, folks, as the youngest one in the family. Get up and hit the TV. (laughs) Kemp, did I ever tell you the story about my watching the Beatles in the den? No. So, uh, I'm, geez, Kev, I. I don't even know if you were born then, but I was little. I was a young guy, and uh, maybe you were just a couple of years old, like maybe one or two. And so everyone went to sleep, uh, which was unusual that they allowed me to stay up. Right. And so I'm in the den watching that little Emerson uh, metal case TV, blue and white, uh, with the rabbit ears on top. 
Yeah, and the and the analog dials, folks. Yeah. You know, and no remote control, and it had the outer dial, uh, the outer tuner for fine tuning, and the inner tuner, which was the click, 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 from channel to channel. Yeah, that was, that was so strange, man. Yeah. So I'm sitting there, and uh, folks, you know, back then, uh, here in New York, we probably had maybe six channels or something that were viable. And uh, I'm sitting on the sofa. The TV's probably eight feet away from me. And uh, it's the Ed Sullivan show. Mm. So Ed, for those uh, who know and those who don't know, he used to wear a suit. He had his hair slicked back. He was kind of balding. And... Uh, he was known for bringing uh, singers and rock and roll acts uh, to America's stage. So on this particular night, I'm sitting here and Ed comes out and he says, right here, live from Liverpool, John, George, Paul and Ringo, the Beatles. And they came out singing, you know. She loves you, yeah, yeah, yeah. Something like that, you know, she loves you yeah. or whatever it was. And I was like, what the? And two seconds into the song, I hear my mother's footsteps. <laughs> she bursts into the den, goes over to the TV set, pops the button off, and she says, you're not watching those long-haired hippie freaks. <laughs> now go to bed. Good old mom. Yeah, Rest her soul. Uh, and that was the end of it. <laughs> but I never forgot the moment. And, and by the way, long-haired hippie freaks, I barely think their hair was touching their ears. They weren't long-haired hippie freaks when they were on the Ed Sullivan show. And that's what she referred to them as. Yeah, I know. Yeah. And they were wearing uh, black suits, white shirts. I was going to say suits. Suits, yeah. Suits and Tuxedo ties. Tuxedo shirts and bow ties. <laughs> no, no bow ties. They had long. Oh, okay. Yeah, they had long neckties on. All right. Those and, hippies. Yeah, those freaking hippies. Freaks. <laughs> That's an awesome story, Bill, which I can relate to. And it was funny. You said you're about eight feet away from the TV. I was thinking that what we called a den back then was like eight foot by eight foot. Yeah, it was a small. <laughs> it was a small room. It was a. It might have been a closet, Bill. Let's face it. <laughs> it wasn't eight big foot by yeah. eight big foot. <laughs> So there you have it. There's another oddity for you. That's awesome. That's awesome. <laughs> so what do you got today, bro? All right. Well, get ready to get the creep on. I love in the today's creep. <laughs> <laughs> today's oddities segment. All right. <laughs> Cryptids in the news and other oddities. All right. <laughs> We're going down south of here, Bill, to a place that I've been many times, and I have to tell you, when I was down there, I didn't know about this legend. Huh. Yeah. Well, what do we have here? So we're going to Lake Lanier, which is in northern Georgia. It's a spectacular lake, but it turns out 
It's a lake with a very dark and shadowy past. And its dark and shadowy past has created the deaths of hundreds of people. Wow. They didn't die bass fishing, did they? Some of them may have died bass fishing. (laughs) Just kind of mysterious drownings and boating accidents. Hmm, Interesting. And many times when people... Uh, are lost, and some of them survive, by the way, and they tell of this story. They see this person that they call the woman of the lake, who has on this flowing blue dress. And sometimes when people are swimming, they feel these mysterious arms reach out from the watery depths and grab them and pull them underwater. And I mean a lot of people, and by the way, folks, this story that I'm going to do some quotes from is from CNN.com. Interesting. And, you know, always with the flowing, beautiful gown. Yep. uh, I don't know what that's all about, man, but that is creepy beyond Mm -hmm. creepy. (laughs) Can you imagine swimming and having something latch on fingers that you could feel? latch on to you and start to pull you under? No, and there's tales here I'll get to in a minute of uh, folks that are scuba diving and they feel like these arms reach out and they grab onto them and they believe they are human arms under the water. Unbelievable, man. Yeah. And what do you say about that? You know, is everybody a Looney Tune? You know, when so they s- what might cause this kind of thing, Bill? Boy, I don't know. Could be a freaking Bigfoot swimming under the surface. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? So it's not that. But right. I'll give you my theory of the cause, and I think you'll agree with it. All right. So this lake is a man-made lake. Mm-hmm. Okay, so it was created in the 1950s by flooding a bunch of valley communities in the area, okay? Yeah. And, you know, when the Army Corps of Engineers comes along to create a lake, you know, a lot of people don't want the lake to come in, and a lot of people that, of course, don't live there absolutely want the lake to come in. Yeah. But if your house is there and uh, the Army Corps comes along and says, you know, your house and your town is going to be at the bottom of this lake in six months, and here's some money for your troubles. You know, you you talked about it in our last podcast where you said, what causes someone to leave their dream home? Yeah, cash. Well, yeah, but not always just cash. Like, I don't know that a lot of these people left. You know, I don't think you can negotiate a lot with the Army Corps of Engineers. At some point, they say, hey, here's the offer. Either you take it or we're flooding your land and you don't get no money. Yeah, and how about, how about the graves in the area? Well, that's what we're getting to. Ah. <laughs> yeah. uh-huh. And if the hair is standing up on the back of your neck, you're not alone. Yes. <laughs> so, as you might suspect, there are a lot of cemeteries in these towns that are now at the bottom of the lake. Oh, boy. And, of course, of course, the promise was, oh, we will dig up all of these graves and relocate the graves and the bodies 
before we flood the lake. Oh, boy. But in fact, Bill, I know this is a shock to you and yeah. many of our listeners. They didn't dig up the graves or relocate the cemeteries. Yeah, too expensive, right? You know, we're yeah. behind schedule. Who's going to know? Yeah, that's right. And that's not in the CNN article. That's me doing a little ad hoc journalism. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm with, I'm with you on the ad hoc, you know, because the, uh, the dead knew. Jeez. No doubt about it. And maybe the lady of the lake in blue is one of the dead that's kind of stuck there now because she's underwater. Oh, boy. So tell me, what uh, what do we have here as far as some of these uh, down-and-dirty, eerie accounts? Well, we certainly have more than 200 people dying in tragedies on this lake, which that's a lot of people. Yeah. Right? And then we have, over the years, reported on CNN.com, Many divers have reported very creepy sightings beneath the murky waters of Lake Lanier. Oh, boy. Yeah. What, so what kind of creepy sightings are the divers seeing? Well, in 2017, a longtime diver named Buck Buchanan told the local media that he sometimes felt body parts in the lake during his many excursions. And here's the quote. Ugh. You reach out into the dark, and you feel an arm or a leg, and it doesn't move, he said. Uh, <laughs> um, I think I'd just freaking die with my mask on. <laughs> oh, man. You know, the underwater is a kind of eerie thing anyway, especially if you don't have great visibility, right? Yeah, absolutely. Ah, oh, can you only, I can only imagine feeling a body part and it doesn't move. Oof. Wow. Yeah. And then, you know, so this urban legend there that creates, uh, you know, the uh, some of the legends of the woman in the blue dress is that in uh, 1958, a Ford sedan carrying two women careened off of a bridge in April of that year and tumbled into the lake. And some say that the woman in the blue dress is a ghost of one of those women and that she wanders this lake across the bridge at night in the blue dress and she's lost and restless. <clears throat> Very strange. Uh, was there some type of report that the woman in the car was wearing a blue dress? Absolutely. Ay, 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 ay. Yeah. And by the way, Bill, I, you know, I don't think you've seen it based on your reaction, but our friends out at uh, Expedition X, they did an episode on uh, the lady in the blue dress at Lake Lanier. And first off, I'll tell you that they went down like they do and uh, did some scuba diving at the bottom of the lake. No doubt about it. Cemeteries down there, tombstones still there at the bottom of the lake that aren't supposed to be there. And they did see some visions at night of a woman in a blue dress. Oh, that's interesting. And uh, you think it was uh, legit 
watching what they did. I do. Yeah. I do. Of course, it's a production, you know, like all these things. But I like Expedition X, you know. I mean, shout out to them in that, you know, they have the, you know, the lady who, like, you know, wants to believe anything. And the man who is the skeptic, you know, and the scientist, a bit like me, that doesn't want to believe this stuff, but then sees some of it and says, like, okay, like, that's pretty interesting. Yeah. I I mean, that guy, uh, he doesn't give an inch. He doesn't give an inch. Absolutely. uh, And it's good. I mean, I think it's good not to jump on the bandwagon, you know, like search for the most logical explanation. Yeah. You know, not the one that you want to believe. Like I, I've talked about it before, you know, Occam's razor usually plays true in these settings. Like it's it's not what you want it to be or or think it should be. It's probably the most logical explanation. Mm-hmm. Very so. interesting indeed. But, you know, that boy, that whole thing, man, the bodies in the lake and uh you know, it's it's just so creepy. The unknown factor uh, makes it worse than almost anything else. You know what I mean? Well, and Bill, you know, being both of us spiritual guys, you make a promise to what you're going to do with the dead and their resting place, and then you don't deliver on it. Like, nothing good is going to come out of that. Yeah, that's... You, you know... I don't mean to get into it, but I have to. I just have to. You know, when uh, uh, Joseph had died in the old biblical text, they carried his bones out of Israel. Uh, uh, the, the Israelites carried his bones into the promised land. The bones and the burial was very important uh, back then. Not that it's not important now, but it was... It would have really been considered a complete and utter sacrilege to flood a graveyard. Mm. Uh, By the way, not one graveyard. Yeah. Just to be clear. Yeah. Multiple graveyards. And you have no idea back then in in that area how many people might have been shot and killed and just buried uh, in a shallow grave in, like, uh, wartime, right? Oh, Civil no doubt War. about it. But these are graveyards. You know, yeah. when they dove down there, both in the CNN article and on Expedition X, no doubt about it. You know, these are tombstones. Like, yeah, that's just uh, that's just disgusting, you know, doing yeah. that. Not good. So, uh, you know, payback. Payback is a bitch, man. <laughs> well, I know, but I didn't do it, and I sail down on that lake sometimes. Yeah. You know, <laughs> I wonder, like, you know, I always wonder, uh, when I hear something like this, we have no way talking about this uh, on the podcast of knowing whether any of the individuals who died had ties to any of the people involved in the flooding. That's what I always wonder. When I hear about things, I believe that many things are passed forward in families. Uh, The sins of the forefathers are passed on to the third and fourth generation. You know, 
you look at, I'm not going to name any names here tonight, but there's a very prominent political family that many of us know about. Uh, their family has suffered a ridiculous amount of tragedies. And uh, I always said to myself, uh, Pop must have done something really wrong. And none of this stuff in the universe goes unseen or unpunished, uh, per se, especially when somebody is not remorseful uh, about what they've done or what they've been been involved in. And I just wonder if uh, any of the people who have died down there, numbering, like you said, the hundreds, uh, had any ties going back generationally to people who were... Oh, that's interesting. So the, the, the people that have drowned and been killed in accidents on the lake, do they have some ties back? Yeah, to those who perhaps could have made a decision. Could have made a better decision. That's well, right. That's interesting, Bill. Yeah. 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 I haven't thought about that. Well, you know, most people don't because they don't right. believe in such things or the spiritual aspect of life, you know. Yeah. But uh, I do, as you know. And uh, I don't think any of these things just happen by accident, you know. Yep. Creepy, huh? Well, I told you to get ready to get your creep on. <laughs> I think I delivered. <laughs> that is definitely creepy, man. How many <laughs> acres? How big is Lanier? It's huge. Yeah. It's a huge lake. Yeah, I think they have some bass tourneys down there. I'm oh, sure definitely, they do. definitely. It's a spectacular. It's a beautiful lake. Yeah, really nice. Yeah, um, I've sailed down there for twenty years, so uh huh. I, I love it. You know, so they say it holds six hundred and twenty-five billion gallons of water. Wow. Yeah, I'm looking for something on the acreage. I know I read something on the acreage, but I don't see it here. Yeah, no, it's it's a huge, huge lake. Yeah, it, it's a huge body of water, and it's know. one of these lakes that has all of these fingers, you know, reaching out, spread out in many different directions. Yeah. Well, look, you, when you flood the area, it's just going to fill in any void. Oh yeah. Uh, until it reaches a certain level, and that's when it stops. You know. Yeah, one hundred percent. Wow, that is creepy, man. It's wild. <laughs> North Georgia. Beautiful yeah. lake with a scary past. Yeah, and again, if any of you folks da- uh, down that way can contribute anything to this, certainly touch base with us at BigfootTerrorInTheWoods.com and uh, chime in with us about anything and everything uh, you may know about uh, the goings-on there in Lake Lanier. That would be real interesting. Yeah, yeah, Bill. So it looks like 56,000 acres. Wow. Big. Yeah, that is really big. Yeah. Now, you know, as I move on here with uh, this account, uh, this is one of those accounts where we did one something like this a while back, I believe. But only in that uh, a posse was involved, a group of individuals trying to help out uh, their fellow man or fellow farmer uh, from something ravaging uh, their animals. So 
Let me dig into this here. Uh, I think you're going to find this really interesting. And this account was told to me by Lewis Radcliffe, a resident of Westchester County, Kev, right here in New York. Oh, downstate, right? Yeah. Westchester. Downstate New York. And this is what Lewis had to say. The story that I'm about to share with you came to me in a most unusual way via my own father and uncle when I was a young boy. My father and his brother, Pete, both grew up on a simple farm in western Pennsylvania. My grandpa, Max, had a working dairy farm and was involved in the making of cheese, butter, and milk, which he supplied to local customers. I don't recall specifically when, but sometime in the 70s, we were gathered around the TV. A show came on that was hosted by the guy who played Spock on Star Trek. I don't remember his name, but the show was about Bigfoot. And we oh, would- we know the show, Bill. Yeah. Yeah, in we search know. of with Leonard Nimoy. Sorry, I had to, inter- no, I had to and, interrupt you. And it's, I'm glad you interrupted because how many people relate one of their first, uh, uh, their knowledge of Bigfoot to that show? I think I told you that way yep. back when in yep. our episodes where yep. I remember old pointy ears, <laughs> yeah. Leonard Nimoy, yeah. on In Search Of, talking about Bigfoot and showing the uh, Patty film. Yeah, it's it's just crazy how yeah. many people going back through the years uh, were influenced by that. Oh, man, it was a great show. I remember him. I, there's two things I remember from that show for no apparent reason. The Patty film. And the crop circles, like you did a whole big thing on crop circles, you know, and the paintings. Yeah. Not not crop circles, I'm sorry, the paintings, you know, that are visible in South America from above, you know, on the ground, you know. You're like, what the heck made those things? Yeah, yeah. Uh, what do they call them again? Yeah, those... I can't think of it. But... Yeah. I know what you're talking about. Yeah. From great heights flying. Only, can, you can only see them from great heights. Right. Which there was no way to be at great heights when they were created. Yeah. And they had those animals and different yeah, things, yeah. right? Scorpion yeah. and some other yeah. stuff. So he's watching this. Now, he says, I was basically sitting on the sofa listening to the adults with them occasionally goofing around with me. My dad and uncle started talking about the creature on the TV being the same thing that they had seen back on the farm when they were younger in Pennsylvania. I distinctly remember my asking them about what they saw, being more than a little frightened at the same time at what I was seeing on the television. My father and uncle began to speak simultaneously, talking over each other adding to and talking about the events that I will now attempt to put in some order for you and your readers. Apparently at the time, many different farmers in the area had been experiencing losses of farm animals, with the losses being in no way relative to a certain species of animal. 
The farmers who regularly met and spoke with each other were reporting losses of everything from a chicken to a farm dog. This had been going on for quite some time. When one of the farmers, a Mr. Miller, had reported seeing a large black gorilla-type beast moving on all fours along his fence line at twilight. He thought it to be the biggest black bear he had ever seen. They went on to say that Mr. Miller, after the sighting of this purported black bear, saw the same creature on his own property some two weeks later, only this time as he watched what he had previously thought was a bear, it stood up on its hind legs, stepped over the rails of the fence, and walked into the woods. After Mr. Miller had reported his sighting of this creature, all of the farmers were on watch, including my grandpa, Max. They were already having discussions about how to deal with it. The creature was undoubtedly the villain behind the missing animals. The animals were being taken over a variety of farms covering a large area of countryside. Mr. Miller's farm was about five miles from my grandpa's. If it was in fact one beast doing all the dirty work, it had to be covering a tremendous amount of territory to do so. Several weeks later, my dad and uncle were loading hay into the loft. My uncle was in the high position with the opening of the hayloft, within the opening of the hayloft, while my dad was hoisting bales up to him. From his position in the loft, my uncle had a great view looking out over the farm, which my dad did not, being on the ground near the truck. My dad said that Uncle Pete shouted and pointed, saying, The beast is out in the far end of the pasture, walking along the woods. My dad said they jumped in the truck and began to try to make their way in the direction of the siding. As they rolled over a rise in the pasture, they saw this creature walk into the trees and out of sight. Following the events of that day, with there now being confirmation of what Mr. Miller had seen weeks earlier, some five miles away, the farmers had another meeting. They proposed the idea of forming a posse. By their own organizational efforts, the posse would regularly work areas near their adjoining properties on foot, horseback, or whatever means they deemed fit, to hunt down this beast and put an end to the carnage. In the weeks and months that followed this initial meeting, a number of the posse who were surveilling the farms all hours of the day had seen the creature. Some of the farmers were describing it differently than the others, which was leading the men to believe there was actually more than one afoot in the area. At the same time, more animals were still being taken, with others noticing other things awry around their farms, including barn doors opened, fence rails knocked down in fields where no animals were present. My dad and uncle said that after a period of many months, a group, group of men in a pickup truck came upon the creature in a field. 
After giving chase, a man riding shotgun hit the beast with two rounds out of the truck's window, which knocked it to the ground. As they stopped the truck, the beast jumped to its feet and ran across the field into the timber. Several weeks after that shooting, another group of men ran upon a creature on the farm of one Mr. Slazinger. They also fired some slugs at it as it ran away from an animal pen. Neither of these two shootings had yielded a dead body. But according to my dad and uncle, the missing animals and other related activities had ceased. Although the men kept up with their patrols for quite some time afterward. They said that when they had seen the creature in Grandpa's field, it was very tall and muscular, even from a distance. It had long arms, took very long strides as it lumbered along. Mr. Miller, who had seen it step over the fence, commented on how neither a bear nor a man could have done such a thing. None of this information may ever have been known by me had it not been for the television show that day in the house. What do you think of that, Kev? Wild stuff, Bill. Yeah. I mean, uh, <clears throat> that's the second time uh, that a story was shared about a posse of right. uh, locals going after... Uh, a Bigfoot, which they didn't know was a Bigfoot uh, or maybe believe it was a Bigfoot. But what they did know was that animals were being killed and it had to be stopped. Exactly. Losing uh, money, basically, right? Certainly. Well, if it happens to me, it's probably only a matter of time before it starts happening to you. Yeah, 100%. Uh, so, you know, it's in their own best interest to help each other out and... Uh, Take care of take care of business and get whatever it is and put it down, you know. Yep. What a strange thing, huh? Yeah, it's, and uh, you know, not a super rural place, right? Downstate New York. Yeah. Well, the account, which I thought was interesting, I believe he said. Didn't he say they were in? Oh, yeah. He said his dad and uncle started talking about the creature and the TV being the same thing they had seen back on the farm when they were younger in Pennsylvania. Oh, OK. Back to the Pennsylvania Triangle. Right. So what I was about to say was they were at a house in Westchester watching TV. Right. OK. I missed that. Sorry. Yeah. And the conversation went back to the day in western Pennsylvania and in the last podcast, we were talking about Eastern Pennsylvania, right? Uh, with the the guy, uh, the woman first, that woman Tina, thinking she saw a giant bear walking along her right. out right. outbuilding or whatever, right? Uh, and that turned out to be a freaking Bigfoot, you know? So <laughs> a monster, as I recall. Yeah, and here we are on both ends of the state now, east and west. Yeah, it's uh, Pennsylvania. It's a bad place. <laughs> it's freaking amazing, man. I'm just kidding. I'm just yeah, kidding. I, but there are a lot of Bigfoot sightings in Pennsylvania. There's no doubt about it. Yeah. Uh, you know, people used to think 
everything was, you know, shoved into Washington. You know, early on in the days of Bigfoot, right, it was always the Pacific Northwest. Well, I mean, one thing is, having lived out there, the place is so rural and so beautiful, as well as Northern California, um, because it's an extension, right? You know, you go from Northern California to Oregon, into Washington. There's no nothing magical that happens when you cross state lines. It's the same territory, the same region. Uh, by the way, Kev, uh, did you just misstate Oregon? <laughs> I said Oregon. Oh, I thought I caught you. No. Uh, no. <laughs> Oregon, Oregon. I'll get the Oregon. hate letters from the witches, but not from the people for mispronouncing that big state in the Northwest. Well, By the way, well, I don't deserve the hate mail from the witches. I'm nice to the witches. Yeah, yeah. I only shoot their brooms out of the sky when I see them. <laughs> That's you, not me, okay, witches? That's what that I was, said. I, I, That was I. WJ does it. <laughs> so those flying monkeys outside my window can just move along. Hey, Ken, Go ahead up that, north. What did, what did that one listener say about me that day in that email? Did he say I made him sick or something when he heard me say Oregon? Did you say that one listener? Come on, Bill. So it's, it's like... Kev, please tell your brother it's not Oregon. Yeah. <laughs> There's no oh, E man. on the end. It cracks me up. And then that other guy said I reminded him of Danny DeVito. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I like my the God. My Cousin Vinny reference this. Yeah. Hey. <laughs> hey. <laughs> uh, the Utes. It's too funny. The Utes. <laughs> it really is too funny. It is funny. Oh, man. But look, folks, it's all about entertainment. It's all about having a good time at some point. 100%. We're just having fun, folks. Yeah. So don't don't take us seriously. It doesn't have to be at anyone's expense. We're just having fun. Right. I mean, we're just uh, trying to enjoy a little comic relief and uh, getting some information out as well as chit-chatting exactly. about. And, get, and, and help you guys get through. You know, whatever crisis is that you're facing. Did you just say COVID? I didn't. Oh. All right. Nice try, though. Yeah. <laughs> and I didn't, mention, I didn't mention the vaccine. And maybe I do believe that the earth is flat, okay? <laughs> <laughs> Although earlier in the previous podcast, I think I did mention that the Apollo mission was real. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's another one, man. Talk about all the oddities, how people think that was all staged. And, man, I've heard it all. I've heard it all. I've seen it all. I've heard about the the studios and the, uh, the layout and the moon and the shadows and this and that. I mean, you know. Because, Sorry, folks. Because the earth is flat, Bill. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. you know, you can't take a picture from the moon of this round thing if it's really as flat as a piece of paper. Yeah. So the I, whole thing is staged. Uh, yeah, yeah. Don't get me going, man. <laughs> because, you know, uh, I'm immovable. And uh, if, you know, people uh, are bent in a certain direction 
hey, man, whatever floats your boat, but it's not floating my boat. <laughs> Water floats my boat. I'm a little biased because I've sailed pretty far out in the oceans, as you know, Bill, and yeah. uh, I never fell off of the edge yet. Yeah, yeah, I know. And of all yeah. the things I've worried about while I was out there, I got to tell you, falling off of the edge wasn't one of them. <laughs> yeah, 60-foot waves, maybe. I was afraid of those six-story <laughs> buildings coming at me in yeah. a sailboat, but I never thought, like, wow, if we go much further, we might fall off the edge. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, you know. You know. Hey, you know. Just saying. Just different strokes for different folks, It's all bro. good. It's all good. I might be wrong. <laughs> Did you have to say that? Can't, can't you just let it go? we're having fun. I might be wrong. The world might be flat. The Apollo missions might have been fake. Right. And what else? Uh, many of these Bigfoot sightings might be bears or Labrador retrievers. <laughs> oh, it's amazing, man. All right, here we go, Bill, to listener mail. Let's do it. From David. And his subject is Russia and the Himalayas. Wow. He's, yeah, he says, I'm binging on your program. This is not good. <laughs> <laughs> At least he admits it. I know, it's good. It's good. Two things. I've spent time in central Russia, and I have a take on what happened. I know for a fact that area holds several secret testing areas for the former USSR and a retired newspaper executive, I can assure this area, was very restricted. I have no doubt that the USSR of the 50s under Stalin would do anything to people there without permission, including terror and mutilation. As much as I would like to think that it was not so, there is too much I heard during my six weeks here. Hmm. Pretty interesting, right? Yeah, and I mean, that's an eye-opener. Uh, he did say he was doing time... In central Russia? <laughs> he wasn't talking about as a prisoner in a gulag, was he? I don't think so, because I don't think he'd get out of those prisons in those gulags <laughs> yeah, yeah, in yeah. central Russia under the Stalin regime. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course, things are much different today under Putin. Yeah, well, you remember I was commenting on that uh, uh, story, The Long Walk? Yeah. That guy escaped from a Siberian prison. I know. And uh, they a saw story. a couple of Yetis when they finally broke free. They did, yeah. Uh, at the end of the journey, you know, and that was a true story. Uh, there's no doubt that there are strange and bizarre things going on there. And, folks, uh, I knew a guy who was a uh, science teacher in Russia uh, who did 10 years in jail for saying the word God in a classroom. Mm. Think about that, Kev, huh? Mm. I, think, I think enough said about that just for people to chew on how fortunate you are to be where you are. So you're saying he didn't even talk about the earth being flat. 
he was discussing at a, at the time and had a model in the classroom of the planets going around the sun. Mm. He had, you know, one of those spinning models. Yeah, I remember them, yeah. The wires coming out, going out to Pluto and all the way into, you know. Pluto's not a planet. He's a dog in Disney World. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, yeah. I couldn't resist. Yeah, yeah, and I, I don't blame you, you know. <laughs> uh, Ten years, can you imagine that? No, I can't. Uh, but that's the reality in and some horrible conditions, world, yeah. right? Very interesting, very interesting indeed. All right, so back to David. He says, secondly, a book written by Bard, B-A-R-Y-D, Spalding, six small volumes in search of the masters of the Far East. A group of scientists went to India, Tibet, and Nepal before all the boundaries were established between the three to learn about the amazing lives of what we know as the masters. The books will blow your mind. But in the second volume, as I recall, they were traveling in the Himalayas, and several people on the trek were taken by what could only be the sight of yetis. Hmm. While they did not call them this, the leader went to the village and negotiated. Oh, they were actually. I'm oh, sorry. So I misread this. They were literally taken by the Yetis. And they say, while they did not call them this, the leader went to the village and negotiated their release. There is much more to this 1880 story, but your researchers should look into this. Thanks for all you bring to me, David. Boy, that's a freaky-deaky story. It is a freaky-deaky story, but unless he miswrote it, why would people go into a village to negotiate a release of victims captured by Yeti? Uh, maybe these uh, early Sherpers had some relationship with the Yetis. Yeah, I I'm don't kidding, know, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. I don't know, though. Like, yeah. David, you got to give us some more details on that. Yeah, lay it on us, David. Uh, I know you're listening to this podcast, so just get back to us with some more uh, fill-in-the-blank, shall we say. Yeah, yeah. All right, we're going to Oklahoma, because Oklahoma's okay. Robert from Oklahoma. Good morning, Mr. Sheehan. Bill, I think he's talking to me. All right. He says, I live in Jones, Oklahoma, which is exactly in the center of Oklahoma. My amazing 18-year-old daughter will be reporting for indoctrination at the Merchant Marine Academy at 0700 on July 9th. Very proud of her. I thought of you because of your Long Island history. Okay, maybe he's talking to you, Bill. <laughs> I'm actually arriving at 1 p.m. and leaving at 5 p.m. on July 9th. Anyway, I listen to every show and wish you had about a uh, wish you had about three per week. As an aside, I live two hours from Turner Falls, Oklahoma. Uh -huh. Been there many times. Thanks for the great show, Robert. And Robert, congratulations to you and your amazing daughter for uh, going into the U.S. Merchant Marine Academy. One of my close friends is actually the head lacrosse coach at the U.S. Merchant Marine Academy. Yeah, that's awesome. And, of course, he makes mention of Turner Falls uh, 
Yeah. Because uh, in one of our recent episodes, we were talking about that sighting. Yes, in the state park at Turner Falls in Oklahoma. Yeah, those guys saw that beast back in the little creek. You got that right. right. Well, I think they called it a crick. A crick. Crick is different than a creek. It is? Because you can have a crick in your back. (laughs) (laughs) Could have a creek in your back, too. (laughs) Yeah, if you had a crick in your back, you wouldn't find a Bigfoot there cupping water. (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. (laughs) Unless he was very small. Very small, Bigfoot. (laughs) Kind of a little foot. Like the one on my desk. (laughs) He's a good one. Uh, All right, or the one in my garden, Bill. Yeah, that was a good idea, Kev. Yeah. For those of you out there, I I did a little fenced-in garden to keep my own Bigfoot and my Labrador Retriever away from my tomatoes. And uh, I got a little carried away after building this beautiful fence, so I said I had to make some gargoyles for every fence post. <laughs> so one of them is a Bigfoot. I got a couple of man-eating rabbits from Monty Python and the Holy Grail. <laughs> a couple of beautiful redwood trees, or my rendition of a redwood tree. Uh-huh. But I had to put the Bigfoot back there on the back post, trying to sneak away. I'll ask you, is the Bigfoot afraid of the killer rabbit? <laughs> I've seen a bite a man's head off with one, one bite. You simpleton, he's just a bunny. (laughs) 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 Run away! Oh, that was such insanity. Oh, my goodness. Some people are like, what the freak are these guys talking about? Well, don't worry about it. It's all good. Okay, we got a last letter here. Morning, WJ and KJ. Great podcast again, regardless of whether it's late Saturday night or Sunday morning. The end result is class, pure class. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. I don't know if he's listening to us, Bill, but we'll take it. (laughs) Once in a while, a listener gets mixed up, but it's okay. Yeah, he's another guy having a sports drink. He says, I've decided, I've noticed, sorry, he didn't decide. I've noticed a large trend, particularly this past year, both in yours and other Sasquatch-related podcasts, to discuss an increasing UFO, UAP content, almost to the point where Sasquatch is secondary. One podcast I listen to weekly, like yours, is pretty much all about paranormal. Wooey now. It seems despite having Sasquatch in its name. It's interesting how years ago you were thought to be a barmy for linking the two, but it's beginning to appear in my mind that there is a correlation between the two subjects. The woo is real, so to speak. I have to admit I'm rather alarmed that the military has come out now and recognized the phenomena. Makes me ponder what else they know. I consider it worrying times, as it seems to me, on the increase. I'm almost at a point of being more fearful of being abducted by aliens than by coming face-to-face with a (laughs) Wookiee. 
Maybe yep. that's it. They are indeed Wookiees. Just my thoughts. Be clear, this is no means a criticism. Just an observation that the pattern is shifting. Take care. Hmm. Well, I have to say this about that. That I've always been somewhat intuitive about this whole thing. I've, I have never just jumped on with the relationship, on board with the relationship between UFOs, some Bigfoot sightings, and other things going on. I've always felt that there was an interrelationship, but on two different levels. How many times, Kev, have I told you I think there's two things going on here? Yeah, no. And, and, but, but, you know, for our listeners, by definition, our podcast is in multiple sections, Bill. Like cryptids in the news and other oddities doesn't have to be tied to Bigfoot or Sasquatch. It's cryptids in the news and other oddities. So when we got UFO or UAP phenomena from the federal government being reported as being real, that falls into the category of cryptids in the new cryptids and other oddities in the news. Yeah, and as far as other oddities go, we could be talking about some of our listeners' faces. <laughs> but I don't think we ever really go through episodes without talking about the hairy man, just to be clear. Yeah, well, uh, irregardless, you know, we are having a conversation and we're talking about things that are of interest to us which we then believe would be of interest to you. Right. But we really don't talk about the new paint color charts at the Lowe's Home Center or something like that. Well, dearie, we just don't tell them about it. Well, yeah, that's true. We don't record when we talk about it. (laughs) (laughs) For instance, I didn't tell you that I just had my nails done, and God, are they beautiful. Well, and we don't talk about the great debate of golden retrievers versus Labrador retrievers, because we know (laughs) Labrador retrievers are the most popular breed in the country for many years for good reason. <laughs> yeah. Martha's no laying doubt under my about desk that. right now. She told me to say that. <laughs> oh, that's awesome, Kev. Yeah, and so, that's it, folks. So uh great episode again. And uh, you know, if you haven't given us a five-star review lately, please go to your favorite podcast player and give us a five-star review. It is really the only means that we have for attracting new listeners to the podcast. And by getting new listeners, we're able to stay on schedule and continuously increase the quality of our podcast. So thank you so much for those great reviews. Yeah, folks, and please go out there and uh, show some support for what we're putting together here and the the work that I'm doing with these books by buying uh, a book or two, read them to your kids, your grandkids, uh, give them away as gifts. Uh, it's really the best way, uh, aside from giving us a five-star review, uh, to lend a little support to what it is we're doing here week in and week out. And by the way, should you find yourself in the darkness of the woods and you hear a little howl, shall we say, You'd better hope, my friend, that you're always carrying more gun than you think you're going to need. Sleep tight. <laughs>